We're in a series of sermons called In Christ, and in that, that term is mentioned uh, about 60 times in the book of Ephesians that we're going through, and so we're discovering what's it mean to be in Christ, and today we come to this part of discovery uh, where it means using your gifts. If you're in Christ, He has something for you, and He has given you a gift to use for His glory. I read this story from John Ortberg, an author who talks about his grandmother who died, and his grandfather called his mother and made an unusual offer. Kathy, he said, I was going through some of Florence's things in the attic, and I came across a box of old dishes. I was going to get rid of them, but I noticed that they're blue, and that's your favorite color. Why don't you come take a look at them, and if you don't want them, I'll give them to the Salvation Army. So John says, my mother went over to the attic, uh, found the dishes, thought they would just be run-of-the-mill. Instead, when she opened the box, she was looking at some of the most exquisite china she'd ever seen. Each plate had been individually painted with a pattern of forget-me-nots. The cups were inlaid with mother-of-pearl. The dishes uh, and cups were painted with, rimmed with gold. And the plates had been handcrafted in a Bavarian factory that was destroyed in the Second World War, so they were literally irreplaceable. And John says, yet my mother had been in the family for 20 years and she'd never seen this china before. So she asked my dad about it, who grew up in the family, of course, and they checked it out. Eventually, they found out that some of the older family members knew the story. When Grandma Florence was young, she was given china over a period of years. They weren't a wealthy family and the china was quite valuable, so she'd get a piece at a time for her birthday, only for special occasions, maybe graduation. Why had she never used this china before? Not even once that anyone could remember. Well, whenever she received it, it was so valuable that she would take it, wrap it up in tissue paper and put it in a safe place so it wouldn't get broken. She'd put it in a box and store it in the attic for that very special occasion that would come. Well, guess what? There was never ever an occasion that was special enough for her to pull it out. So it was never used. It went unused her whole life. John says, now my mother uses this china every chance she has. They have finally made it out of the box. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 that talks about you and I as perishable containers. That's what it says in the Living Bible. That our weak bodies are in perishable containers and that the glorious power of God is in us and light so that others can see. And here's my question for each of us today. Are you out of the box? Are you a container that's being used for the glory of God? Let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would reveal to us the truth that would set us free. Lord, I know that the key to fulfillment in this life is to lean into the things that you've created us to do. You've put wonderful gifts in each one here. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would unlock that and that we'd all come out of the box to be used for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's four keys today to discovering your God-given gifts. And the first is this. Be ecstatic to receive the call. Ephesians 4, verse 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, and the word prisoner seems kind of weird, but other versions say that we're captivated by Jesus Christ. Uh, and, And it goes on to say, I urge you, to live a life worthy 
of the calling that you've received. Each one of you, each one of us has received a calling from the Lord, captivated by Christ, given eternal life um, that has been given to us by grace alone. And now our captain, Jesus Christ, who captivated us, is, he's our team leader. He's calling us to play on the team and to get in our position. What's your role? It's spring and baseball has started. And I've watched the Mariners already a couple of times. Good game yesterday. They won in the 11th inning. Um, but it, it's, it's, if you don't know how the, the, the pro leagues work, there, there's, there's really several farm league systems that are pro. There's a rookie league, there's a single A, there's a double A and a triple A. And it's only one out of hundreds that become professional in the farm league system that actually get the call to the bigs, major league, with the Mariners, Giants, or, or someone that you watch on TV. So they've got all these teams underneath, these minor league teams, that these guys are working like crazy. As a matter of fact, I have a friend that led triple-A ball with 31 home runs one year and never made it to the bigs. When those guys get a call, those minor league players, they are ecstatic to know that they're going to get to play in the bigs. I mean, it's been their lifelong goal. They're, they're, they call their families. They, they call their friends. I'm, I'm, I'm going to play on Friday night in the bigs. Well, whatever you're doing, if, you, if it's not under the glory of God uh, with, with your life, you're playing in the minors. When you decide to take hold of the thing that God has given you to do with the gifts he's given you to bring glory to his name and you use your gifts for him, you've been called up to the majors. Now, if you're a business person and your business is your ministry and the whole thing belongs to God for the glory of God, then you're already in the bigs. You're already, you're already in the majors. But if, but if you're so busy with life, not thinking about anything but this life, you're still playing in the minors. The Bible says that we can lay treasures up in heaven. I don't know exactly what that means, but it does mean that we can lay treasure up in heaven. That there's something we can take with us, and I don't want to stand before God empty-handed. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I'm glad that He loves me. But you know what? We can take people with us too. We can, we can have some fruit from our lives. The Bible says the one that wins souls is wise. And the question is, are you ecstatic about receiving the call that God has given? There's a story in 1 Kings 19 in the Bible where Elijah the prophet is calling a young man who's working in the field named Elisha. He's calling him up to the bigs. He's telling him, you've received a call. And the story goes like this, verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, because he's received a call now to go into the ministry to use his gifts that God had given him. He said, then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Verse 21, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned them. It's interesting. You burn the plow, you can't go back, right? He, he burns the plow and, and, and equipment, and he cooks the meat and gives it to the people, and they ate, and then they set out. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. So he gets the call up, and he's excited about it, so excited 
that he burns the cows, throws a party, and has a big barbecue for everybody just, just before he goes. He's ecstatic about the call, and he steps into it, and God uses him incredibly. You see, why would it be important that I would function in the gift God's given me? There's plenty of you to, to, to go around. There's plenty of people to take care of business. Well, here's the deal. Our team will never be as good as it can be unless everybody takes their place in their role. And it, have you ever noticed how someone serving, like a wonderful servant can create, they, they can change the whole atmosphere of the place. I, I've, I've been with waiters or waitresses when they're serving a group that they are so incredibly kind and so good at what they do, they change the atmosphere just because they're such wonderful servants. And you enjoy it so much more because they're, 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 they're leaning in. They love what they're doing and they're blessing people all around them. I remember one servant of the Lord that carried more joy in his task than anyone I've ever met. And some would think it wasn't a very important task. He was a maintenance man at the People's Church. I was a youth pastor there. I just showed up. And the first day that I go into my office, Given Anderson, who must be in his 90s now in Salem, came into my office and said, you're the new pastor, Pastor Stan. I said, yes. He said, I'm here to serve you, sir. How can I help you? That hasn't happened a ton in my life. I'm just, I'm just telling you. The people don't show up to say those things like that. And I said, well, uh, Given, I, I don't need anything. I'm I'm good. I'm just happy to be here. He said, surely there's something I can do for you. Would you like me to rearrange the furniture? I could get a different desk in here. I said, no, no, I'm good. I like this. He said, well, would you like me to build a, a bookcase for you? I could, I could put shelves right here on the wall. And I said, well, that might be good because I was planning on getting more books because I only had five and three of them were colored in when I was a youth pastor. So, <laughs> so I said, yeah, I think I need a bookshelf. That'd be great. The next morning I showed up. The next morning, and Given had built shelves on the wall. And then he showed up at about 10 in the morning to say, is that right? I could move them to the left or the right? And I said, no, this is perfect, Given. And I found out that it wasn't just me. He wasn't trying to show me I was special. He tried to treat everybody like they were special. He served everyone, and he was so loved in that house. He cared for people. And a servant who's really leaning into the gift God has given them can change the atmosphere of a place. And God's calling each of us to know that we do make a difference and we can change the atmosphere when we step into what he's called us to do. Second thought here. I'm going with a more commonly used term today in our language, but it still brings the essence of the scripture out and it must be important because God put it in here. When we serve, we should be emotionally mature members of the team. Now, evidently, there's emotionally immature behavior that can ruin the team, or this wouldn't be said. But God says, I want you to be emotionally mature. What is that? Here it is. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So, we need to be people that say, there you are instead of here I am. When you walk into a room, do you have this thought, here I am? Or do you have this thought, there you are? God wants us to be servants that are, that are focused 
on blessing people, completely humble and gentle. Why don't people recognize me as a servant? You're, you're missing this, if that's the deal. Why don't I get more credit for what I do? Why don't they, they, they let me do what I want to do? Listen, be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another. Care about unity. Make an effort for that and the bond of peace. These words all add up to what I'm calling today emotional maturity. Did you know that Fortune 500 companies don't just check your experience and your IQ, those, those things are important to them, but now they have new testing to check the emotional maturity or the, what they call the EQ, emotional quotient of the employees. Because what we found out, and business is finding this out, is that those people who may be very highly skilled and really change the bottom line with numbers sometimes, what happens is if they don't have emotional maturity and they get promoted, they run over people, they're rough on people, and eventually they tear up the company and they cause more pain than it was worth when it's all done, even if they're high performing in some areas. So nowadays they don't want just IQ, they want EQ. And God's calling for a little EQ in His church too, that we would have this heart for the good of the whole, for the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit enabled Paul to write these things down and to share what they were, but we can see even more that God gave Paul for us when it comes to this emotional quotient in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, we read 1 Corinthians 13 in the context of marriage, and it really applies in every, in, in, in every situation because God is love and it gives an explanation of love. But it's important to know that the context of 1 Corinthians 13 is really your gifts and, and using them to serve the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, you take a look at it, right? The Bible's written in a flow. So 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts God give, gives, and then 1 Corinthians 13 is showing how those gifts should function. And here's some more for the emotional quotient here. Love is patient. Think of this in terms of the gifts now and, and that you have and, and I have and how we should employ them. It, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Well, that makes more sense than marriage now, doesn't it? Like we're not jealous of each other. That, that can happen, but it's not as common as at the workplace or, or in service somewhere. It, it's, it's, it doesn't envy. It's, it does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. <clears throat> it's not self-seeking. Context of service here. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Wow, so if you're adding it up, then you're, you're not on. You're, you're, you're off. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It's important in service to have emotional maturity. And I want to say this, it's impossible to have spiritual maturity without having emotional maturity. So, you know, you know the Word of God, fantastic, good for you, but if you're emotionally mature, it'll never have the, the impact that God wants it to, to, emotionally immature, it'll never have the impact that God wants it to have because our lives matter when we minister, don't they? And if we look like Jesus, more and more like Jesus, who was the selfless servant who pointed the way for us, then amazing things start to happen. We don't, become emotionally mature believers, if we don't, we'll hit the eject button too fast. Now, that's not just true for service for God. It's true in our marriages. It's true in the workplace. 
It's true everywhere. If you're emotionally mature and you're always upset and you've got these things that are bothering you so much and it comes up for the team, too much trouble to mess with. More, more, more harm than good. It's not worth it. And you have wonderful gifts, but God says, I want you to, 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 to have the fruit of the Spirit in these things. When someone hurts or offends in a marriage, if you're emotionally mature, you go back to me, 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 you hit that eject button. Did you know that 70% of people who get divorced later on in life wish they'd never divorced the first person they married? Often, and I don't talk about this much, and I have great compassion for those who've been wounded, and I understand that, that, that divorce can happen when you're doing everything right and someone else does the wrong thing, so I have compassion. And yet there's this other side where if there's no emotional maturity, we just hit the eject button too fast in our lives. I mean, God is great. He's good. He's big. He can take us through. And it's true in the church when we have differences. Come on. We're doing this for Jesus. We can't afford to have pain, heartache, and suffering around these things. And another thing is we're, we're too easily offended. I like what Pastor Brad said when he was with us a few weeks ago. The most emotionally mature person in the room is the person least likely to be offended when they have reason to be. Wow, that's one of my new goals in life, to be the least offended person in the room even if I have reason. I think that's the way Jesus was. Third thought now. <clears throat> we should be excited about discovering and using the gifts that God has given us. Ephesians 4, verse 7. <clears throat> See here how it includes you. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, <clears throat> when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now there are other lists, and this is a partial list of gifts. <clears throat> but here it says in 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So this chapter, this is 1 Corinthians 12 now that led to verse to chapter 13 that I read a moment ago in 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> but look what it says. It's speaking to gifts and, and how they work to form the body of Christ. Now each portion, when it takes its place, it's beautiful when, when, when the service starts to work and the gifts of God start to flow through our lives. When the church has servants who take their place to serve, Jesus, the, the church of Jesus yields its very best results. We're having a, offering a Discover Your Gifts class upstairs at 1245 today. We have child care, we have lunch for those who want to attend. We have room for about 10 more. Here are the four elements of the Discover Your Gifts class that we're doing today. We're going to do a spiritual gifts assessment. And by the way, this, this could cost you over a hundred, hundreds of dollars just to get these things checked out in your life. But if you don't know what your gifts are, let us help you. We're here to help you and to equip you. <clears throat> There's a spiritual gifts assessment where you discover your gifts. Over 130 questions there. There's a passion assessment to see what you're excited about and, and, and the desires that are in you. There's a disc temperament instrument. Are you fast or slow paced? Uh, are you task or relational oriented? God made you the way you are and and, and these tests that we put before you will help you know exactly how God made you. 
So you might want to join that today or one of the, one of the gifts discovery classes in the future. But then there's a take-home emotional inventory because we're not here to point the finger at anybody. But when you, when you, when you take that test, you'll, you'll see, wow, do I have too much hurt in me and too, ma- too many things that have wounded me in the past where I can't minister to those who are in front of me effectively. And, and, and hopefully, like me, like I've seen these things in my life before, right? So I'm not, you, you know, when I, if, if there's a finger pointed, there's four more coming back at me. I, I need to take hold of these things where, where I have past experiences that I might have gotten hurt in or I might have gotten wounded in or, or I've become fearful about, and I need to give them to God. He's big enough to heal me of it. He's big enough to heal you and to let you go forward without all that baggage so that he might receive glory. And, and these discovery, uh, this discovery class helps you to know what your gifts are, and then we just have places for you to employ them or to let them come into use. Whether here at this church or beyond in our community, there's a bunch of places we can guide you to. Here's a story of a woman from one of our Horizon Churches uh, campuses that discovered her gifts. Her name is Darla. I love to paint. Painting brings me great joy. I've been a professional artist since 2005, but the joy that I feel knowing that I'm doing what God designed me to do is even better. When we committed to the church, I was encouraged to take a gifts assessment. And when I'd finished that, I learned that I was gifted in craftsmanship and helping people. I connected in small groups and I prayed and asked for people to pray for God to show me what his will was for my life. One of the ladies in that group was an artist and I was kind of curious how she created her paintings. I was really intrigued with what she did and I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. And I created a, a painting, it was of a barn. I knew my grandma liked barns, so I sent it to my grandma. I found out later it, it had hung over her bed the last two weeks before she passed away. At her eulogy, I learned that she'd always, my grandma had always wanted to paint, um, but she didn't know where to begin. I thought it was sad that she never did paint because she didn't know how to start. I came back from the trip and I sat down and I thought, okay, God, if you really want me to be an artist, I'll do it. And um, my second painting sold in 2005. Since then, hundreds of paintings have sold and they're in fine art collections all over the world. With God's guidance, I now teach uh, people of all ages uh, painting techniques I've learned, knowing that grandma couldn't do it because she didn't know how, pushed me to help other people. Being connected to the church and growth groups, serving, and being still to hear his voice has led me to where I'm at. Had I not come to this church in 2000, I would not be the woman, wife, mom, artist that I am today. And I praise God for that. It's wonderful when we discover what God has put in us. And you know, you may not know, you may, you may be headed the wrong direction with some things that you're not having the success because you're not as gifted but if, you, but, but if you discover what he's really wired you for, you can find great joy in service as Darla did right here. You know, God's an artist and a sculptor. And we're the crown of his creation. And, and he made us for a purpose. And he's given each one of us a good gift or gifts. And when they work, when we work within our gifts, beautiful things happen for his glory. Years ago at the People's Church, again, two People's Church illustrations from way back there. Randy and I were youth pastors at the People's Church 
I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say it, 32 years ago, Randy Campbell and I were youth pastors, junior high, high school at that church. We had fun, way more fun than today. We didn't know how much, how little we did, you know, but we were, we were just having a blast. And, and <clears throat> I like today too. It's just more responsibility. That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> but there was a guy named Joe there who Pastor Denny asked one time to consider coming on the board to minister on the elders board at the People's Church. <clears throat> and Joe immediately said, oh, Pastor, I couldn't do that. My ministry in the church here is too, too important. Pastor Denny thought, yeah, what could be more important than serving on the elders board? We need spiritual maturity and can really have an impact. And Joe said, well, my ministry with the toddlers. He said, I've, I've been there for over a decade, Pastor, didn't you know? And those kids need me. This guy's in his 50s. They need me. There's two little boys who don't have a daddy, and every week they look for me. And I get to love on them and tell them about Jesus and give them uh, the strength they need to make it through life. My ministry's too important. I can't serve on the elders' board. I'm sorry. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible that he would have this gift, and they said he was, he was fantastic with these little children, and he, and he let the love of God come through them to touch Come through him to touch those little ones. Wouldn't it be great if we had people like that in our nursery who love those babies and people that, that love these toddlers and people that served with the youth? You know, when I was eight years old, my brother and I found Jesus in a church because of people that were serving. My parents did not know Jesus. Our whole family came to Jesus and three of us went into full-time ministry as pastors before it was over because somebody served and loved little kids. And it's so important, and, and we have this opportunity in front of us. It says in Psalm 139 about you and me, David's saying it about himself, but it's true about us. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You're his work. You're wonderful. He's put beautiful things in you that when you work for His glory will come out of you to make an eternal difference in people's lives. Fourth thought this morning that we see in the text here. We need to be equipped to serve as God has gifted us. Verse 11 again, So Christ Himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I read that previously, but why did He give that category of, of, of people? Pastors, evangelists, teachers. See, most people think that we hire the pastors to do the work for the church and the people. But that's not what this says. As a matter of fact, in Bible school, college, and seminary, they focus in on what the real call of the pastor is. It is to equip the people for works of service. Not to do it, but to equip people. That's why we're having the class. That's why we want to help you uh, find out what you've been created to do. And many of you already know and you're functioning and you understand that what I'm saying is so true and you'd say yes and amen because real fulfillment in life doesn't come. I'm telling you, fulfillment, there's a hole in our hearts that when we accept Jesus, it, it, it's filled to some degree. But when, it re when we really get fulfillment in our life is when we start to do the things we were created to do. When we start to step into what he's called us to do, when we start to make an eternal difference, a joy comes that is unspeakable, that's hard to explain. 
He gave pastors, evangelists, teachers, and apostles to equip the saints for the work of service. This word equip, if you look at it in the Greek, it means to clean, to mend, to fold into, to restore, to make, create, or prepare. It's a word that was used in that culture in that day by the fishermen. It's a word they used to explain mending their nets. Now, why would God use a word about mending nets for us to, 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 to restore, to, to clean up, to create, to prepare, to mend? Well, he's called us to be fishers of men. And what happens if the net is not mended, repaired? If it's not strong and, and, and ready, then you don't catch as many fish because they just slip through the net. They slip through the cracks. And God wants the whole church to function and all of us to take place so the great work that he's doing among us and going to do so we can make sure that nobody slips through the net. We've had some exciting things happen this last week. On Easter last week, we had 1,748 people come to church on our three campuses. That's by far a record attendance beyond what we've ever had. And we've sent people out to Sherwood and and, and even over into Esperanza, that, and we had nearly 100 more here this year than we had last year at Easter. Wow, I mean, we're, we're creeping up on that 2,000 number. That's incredible what the Lord's doing among us with this multi-site strategy. But more importantly, 85 people gave their hearts to Jesus last week on our campuses. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Praise God. Now, here's the deal. I'm just asking you. Today, I'm, I'm mending the net. And I'm saying, they're not coming. They're here. I need help. We need help. So I just want to say to you like a coach, come on. Let's go. We can do this. We can help them. We can win this thing. And when we get to heaven, we'll be up there with some people behind us saying, Jesus, I'm here, and I brought some with me. And we'll go in and have a party forevermore at that juncture. There's only one thing you can take to heaven with you, just one, and that's other people. And God's saying, come on board. Let's do this together. And I'm, I'm asking you to help us as, as we go forward to reach to the little kids. Did you know the week before Easter, we had 11 families, brand new families with children here on a Sunday morning. That was before Easter. I don't know the Easter number. 11 new families with children. They're coming. They're here. And listen, God's blessing this multi-site. When a million dollars is given, that's a sign that God's in it. People think I... I, it just irritates me when people think I can get up and I have the gifts to say something and I can raise a million dollars. Are you kidding me? I can't raise a penny. I have the fear of God when I come up here to say a number. And I know if he doesn't show up, nothing happens. But if he moves on the heart of his people, miracles start to happen. Why would he have us give like that? Part of it, there's a majority of it going overseas, but there's a great portion of it for these new campuses that are rising up. We're coming with Lake Oswego right behind next year in March. And then after that, the year after, Progress Ridge, the Lord's willing, we're going. So we not only need workers for here, we need workers on all of these campuses where God's going to bring more who need Him, where the broken are going to be mended, where, the, where those that are captive are going to be set free, and we need the whole team. Come on, come with me. Let's do it for Jesus. 
George Barna in a survey revealed that 85% of people who attend church in America believe that church exists to serve their needs. That's a consumer mentality. It's not a Bible mentality, but that's a consumer, that's an American consumer mentality. You sit down in a seat and you say, if you're good enough, I'll stay. If you can bring it, Pastor Stan, I'll stay. But if not, sure like John Mark over at Solid Rock, he's good. I'll just head over there. Wherever you head, just get in and serve. Just be one that, that mends the nets and, 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 and understand that God not only wants to bless you, but the greatest way he can bless you is to use you and the gifts that he's put in you. Then there's a fulfillment that's incredible that comes in your heart. You say, I don't have much money in life. You don't need to have money. You don't even need to pursue money. You pursue souls. You get in, you serve. You're pursuing the greatest thing that life could ever, ever yield, and that's results that, tre- that are treasure laid up in heaven. And God's calling us. I have a little bit of passion around this today, don't I? Only 15% in churches today in America believe that their job is to serve a needy world. I got to put that on the pastors. We, we got to be sharing like I am this morning more to say, you, you really want to be blessed? Get in and do what he's called you to do. And you'll bless others and you'll take some with you. Jesus' example, here it is in Mark 10, 45. We're, we're, our, we're Christians. You know what Christian means? It means Christ-like. That's why they, they coined that phrase in, 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 in the New Testament. People who are followers of Jesus Christ trying to be like him. So what's he like? Well, we see his example in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I have a friend that I love his story. He didn't know Jesus in his youth, and he was, um, these are his words, he was a hippie. There's only two places in America where there's hippies today. One is Santa Cruz, California, and the other is Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> and I think we owe both spots to the Grateful Dead, you know, with their concerts. That's, they're still there, the deadheads, you know. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. When I heard Jerry Garcia died, I thought, I wonder if he's grateful. I actually said that. In, in, the, in the Grateful Dead was his group. So that, that, was, that was pretty good material. I think you're a bad audience. I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? All right. Too much, too much confidence. Sorry about that. <clears throat> but, but, but Jim said he was a hippie. Now, at 16, he married his wife, Sandra, who was 15. Wouldn't recommend that. Because you can imagine, they had serious trouble. They didn't know Jesus. And Jim Bennett drank a ton. And that made the whole marriage that was so difficult already even more difficult, and they fought continuously. One night they were fighting, and Jim said he was drunk, and he was telling Sandra, you know, what, what she ought to do. And she, she picked up her purse and said, I'm leaving. And he said, where are you going? She, she said, I'm going to church, and you're not following me either. Well, he didn't want to go to church until he heard that, right? So after a little bit, he thought, I can go to church if I want to go. I'm going to church. She can't tell me what to do. So, 
That wasn't that good of material. I don't understand you guys. <laughs> so he walks in the, he's drunk. He walks through the door a little bit shaky. And he's looking for his wife. And there's about 100 people there. And there's an old fella who's an usher in a suit who heads right towards him right away. And Jim said this. He said, I knew what he was coming to do. He was coming to tell me that I wasn't welcome in this place and that I'd have to leave. And here's what I thought. When he gets close to me, I'm going to knock him out. (laughs) He said the guy got close, but he disarmed him as he stuck his hand out. said, I'm so glad you're here. And he took Jim's hand. And he wrapped both of his around Jim's. said, come sit with me, young man. And that night, Jim Bennett found Jesus as his personal Savior. And he went on to be one of the most effective pastors that I've ever known in my life. I love Jim Bennett. I think, I think there, there's hundreds, maybe thousands in heaven already because of Jim Bennett. Think of what the usher did in a moment to love someone who was broken. To love someone who is angry. And Jesus comes in like a flood and changes a life. And you tell me a greeter can't make a difference? A greeter can save a life as Jesus works through them with that gift of hospitality. And God's calling us to love. God's calling us to serve with joy. The goal of discovering your gifts is to serve God's purpose in this world and fulfill your purpose. Ephesians 4.16, I close with this scripture this morning. From him the whole body joined and held together by every support and ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 